0: no religious training, no, you know, Christian training whatsoever, but I had a huge, like coffee table size, children's Bible. I have no idea where it came from, my parents don't even remember where it came from, they didn't even recognize I had one. I had one in my closet and it was a beautiful one with pictures. Um, I would grab that Bible, didn't know what it was, but I would grab it, I'd be under my covers with a little flashlight. And I always opened it to the page where there was a big picture of Jesus and the little children. And he had them on his lap, and he was smiling and holding a couple of them. And I would turn to that page, and I'd put my hand on the page and pretend like I was one of those little kids. I liked this man. I knew his name was Jesus, but I had no idea (laughs) who, who he was, right, what that meant. But I liked him because he liked little kids. you could tell by the picture. And he was calm and he was peaceful. And I would hide. And I would even say it, I'd hide with that Bible and I'd fall asleep with my hand on that picture.. You're listening
1: to altered stories with Michelle Renee Gutch. Hello, Altered Story Show listeners. This is your Chief Storyteller Host, Michelle Saunders-Gutch, and welcome to my Season 2, 114th episode, Melinda's You Are My Hiding Place God Story. Thank you for listening to my show that is part of the Spark Media Network and Edify app and helps Christian women share their God stories so women around the world can hear them and never feel alone. Friends, I hope all is well, and I hope you've been enjoying listening to my latest God story episodes. I know you're going to love this one too. And if you haven't, would you please subscribe and follow the show? I'd also appreciate it if you would leave a review of the show or any comments on the website on episodes that you listen to, and God speaks to you through the story. Now, friends, I can't believe we are almost through the month of September. Wow, wow, wow. We are in the fall season. And I am excited to get this show started. So today, I am bringing to the mic a very special guest and Altered Stories Ministry Board Secretary from Connecticut, Melinda K. Brown. Melinda and I connected on LinkedIn before she joined the board. It's a God connection, friends. She's a Christian, proud mom of a college-age daughter, and has worked in ministry over the last 25 years as a consultant, writing and editing books, publishing, marketing communications, community outreach, in the faith-based space for the greater part of her career. She's got some other wonderful things she's done, too, friends. But I read a little bit about her degree in journalism. And I guess she had a short stint in entertainment, which it doesn't surprise me as you get to know her. Um, And she uses these gifts in helping ministries. And I am so thankful that God brought her to us. And so I am going to welcome her and let her Share a little bit more about ourselves. So, welcome to the Altered Story Show, Melinda. How are you doing on this happy Rosh Hashanah Jewish holiday? That's right. I just
0: was thinking about that. Thank you, Michelle. I'm so happy to be here. We are actually experiencing a little bit of fall today in New England. <clears throat> Went from 90 degree humid weather to uh, 69 sunny, but a little little bit of a breeze, so it's nice.
1: Yeah, you, know, you don't live very far from the beach, right?
0: No, I, yeah, I'm on a shoreline town um, about 15, 20 minutes from Yale or from New Haven where Yale University is, but we're on the shore and it's beautiful. It's your quintessential New England town with the town green, you know, dating back to the early 1600s. It's amazing.
1: It, it is amazing, Melinda. I was so blessed to be able to spend some time there. It, Um, the New England area on a trip with my husband. And it was really, really just, I love Boston, you know, I love um, certain parts of Connecticut, like New Haven. And I also love, you know, the whole historic pieces of the New England area. I love Maine, Maine. And, you know, some Rhode Island, of course, is where my mom was from. And a lot of my family members are from Providence. Oh, interesting. And, yeah. yeah. So there's um, some New England roots in my there background. Yes. We, we, we take a lot of trips to Newport, Rhode
0: Island, and uh, Watch Hill, which is only really about an hour hour and 15 minutes from us. So it's the beauty of New England. You can get to Boston and New York City and, you know, Newport and all under, you know, two hours, really. It's it's wonderful.
1: Have you been to Ground Zero? Mm-hmm. Yes. In New York? Okay. I know of recent, you know, we, we had 9-11 memory and honoring those that lost their lives and all of those that gave so much and I was just curious because I really want to get to Ground Zero, so I am going to come out there again. And I want to go up to Quebec, Canada, and you know, up in that area too. So, I hope to meet you in person.
0: There you go. Yeah, Ground Zero is a. Uh, I I was one of those uh, probably looking odd people as everybody was fleeing New York. I was coming in, and I was able to get in because I had a ministry that I worked with called the Bowery Mission. And the Bowery wasn't far from the World Trade Center. So I, you know, I actually got escorted into downtown, you know, into the Bowery Mission. And I'll tell you, it was like a war zone. But seeing the people, they fled to the Bowery Mission that were covered with dust, um, fear you know, what was going on. And it was a real ministry experience um, and just caring for them and taking care of them. But I can, I can tell you more about that later because it's an interesting thing of what God did during that time.
1: There are some things about you that I didn't share and I wanted to give you a chance to um, tell us, but just talk to us a little bit about some of your first jobs and your clients and just a little bit about your background and you know, Melinda, I also knew you had a stint at the White House. You worked for the uh, uh, President George Bush in his administration. W. So, yeah, George, <laughs> yeah, because of his dad. Oh, geez. Um, and that all happened under 9-11 ha- happened under his presidency. But do share with us a little bit more about, about you there.
0: Well, and that's what ties in. To 9/11, interestingly enough, um, though I was in New York on the day the towers came down, uh, helping the Bowery, um, in, in basically serving and ministering to others. Through all of that, I had met some uh, some of the members of the FDNY and the New York Fire Department, and I met them through Firefighters for Christ and. Interestingly enough, my other client was Campus Crusade for Christ, as it was called in the day. Now it's called Crew. And the whole aspect of those times, there was such an openness to the gospel uh, for hope. You know, it was a crazy time. It was a scary time for many. Uh, I remember seeing the fighter jets circling around New York City for protection because none of us knew we throughout the night we stayed at a place actually it was the CEO of Bowery and, and they lived right next door to the Empire State Building throughout the night alarms where we had to leave uh, because of threats of bombs and and then you did get people calling in threats um, all night so it, it was a very turbulent time and at the same time God opened those doors unbelievably wide for people, and they were so receptive. And so, uh, Dr. Bill Bright, I was working with Campus Crusade. And when all of this happened at 9 11, he wanted to do something uh, in DC um, to minister. Uh, So, long story short, he introduced me uh, to the White House team, uh, namely uh, Tim Gagline, who was at the time the deputy director of the Office of Public Liaison, is how they called it. Uh, Tim is now, by the way, Executive Vice President of Focus on the Family. Um, And so it is interesting, isn't it, how God connects everything? Uh, So it really started with that. I helped uh, Dr. Bright in pulling an event together. And and we had Chuck Colson uh, speaking, you know, etc. And that's kind of how I ended up working for the White House through the Office of Public Liaison. And I did that basically from 9-11 throughout President Bush's tenure. And uh, my job was helping them with faith outreach. Um, And so we would bring in pastors and ministry leaders from all 50 states for briefings uh, to be involved in community development, uh, Office of Faith-based, you know, came about from that. And... Uh, One of the, I think, the sweetest times to me and seeing how God worked was bringing in my three firefighters, Christian firefighters who were at Ground Zero uh, when when the towers came down. One was a captain who, uh, they were the first responders. He got out of the building before because he had to take some other calls. He was helping, you know, get the firefighters where they need to be. Um, He lost all but one. From his firehouse because the firemen were working their way up those stairs when the buildings collapsed. It was a very traumatic time uh, for these firefighters. The difference was they knew the Lord, as difficult as it was. And God really used these three men who all were at Ground Zero, who all lost uh, a lot of men who were in danger themselves. And they ended up speaking. Met President Bush, uh, ended up speaking at the White House. They spoke uh, to Congress. All of them shared their testimony as well as what happened on 9 11. Uh, They were asked to speak, this I thought was really interesting, at the National Education Association. They piped them on the screens to all the offices in the building. They spoke at the Pentagon. Uh, We would go downtown. And they had their FDNY outfits on and they'd get standing ovations wherever we went into a restaurant. And it was it was amazing. And I think what was amazing was these three men were not shy about their testimony. And I think one of the few times that DC in general embraced hearing the gospel. And what God did with these men was tremendous. And I and all three of them you know, uh, would shake their heads and look at me. We traveled in different places and they said, we're just firefighters, you know? And I said, you are, but God's using you, you know, to share hope. And so that's what started. That's what started my, my whole uh, tenure, if you will, uh, there. He was a delightful and I, I, you know, not to be political, however anyone feels, um, but I can say uh, delightful man up at four in the morning doing his devotionals before he ran, which I thought, well, what's my excuse, right? I <laughs> couldn't do that for the life of me. Um, and, you know, the first thing, and this is for any president, by the way, first thing they hear, first meeting, 7 a.m., is all the people that want to destroy us. It's the security reports. And and I say this because, again, no matter who's in office, you know, they need prayer and understanding no matter what party. It's an unbelievably stressful job and when you start your day hearing about all the threats you know it it's I think it's just putting into perspective what kind of job it is which is why they all look older I think when they leave right um so anyways that's that is how that started and and it was an honor it was a true honor uh to see how God used that
1: Well, I really appreciate you sharing that. We'll put that out on your episode page because, uh, you know, it's it's really uh, fun to see where people, you know, their lives and where they come from and where they're at and the transition, transformation, all those things. So, I really appreciate you sharing that uh, kind of detail. But. Um, talk to us you you were born in Southern California, right? So tell us a little bit about your part of the in the Jesus people movement and how you know Greg Glory and kind of how that connection happened.
0: Um, I was. I was born and raised in Southern California, Orange County. And um, yeah, as far as the Jesus people goes, it's it's an interesting part of my my testimony, actually. But my parents got divorced when I was eight. and Shortly after, I honestly don't remember how much time, but shortly after, my dad got saved at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, when it was the tent. Uh, And you want to see the Jesus People movie, uh, Jesus Revolution? He got saved during that time. Well, he, you know, I went to see him every other weekend, right? So he started taking me there. And never, we were never brought up, you know, at all in terms of uh, going to church or Christianity. Although when we get to my testimony, you'll see how God interwove everything because uh, I have an interesting aspect about that. Um, but anyway, so he started taking me and <laughs> I remember going in here, you have this tent and you've got hippies everywhere, right? And I And the testimony for me was, I knew that this had to be real because of my dad because I remember my dad watching the tv before my parents got divorced or even after you know (laughs) and I mean just oh those hippies get a job you know I mean you know he just he wasn't thrilled um so when I went with him I was like I was stunned to see my dad arm in arm with the hippies And, and my dad was probably just polar opposite I mean he was a blue collar worker electrician and um he is arm in arm, and I'm sitting there looking at him thinking, Wow, you know, I mean it was like amazing to me. But I, you know, I had never been to church, and so I'm looking around and it's like, wow, this is pretty cool, you know. <laughs> See how the at church was, but you know, going a few times, um, it was packed, and I, you know, Pastor Chuck would always have his turtleneck on or you know, uh surfer kind of you know, shirt on, and and he always gave an invitation and and I, you know, I would stand there, and, and I would listen, and I honestly believed, but I was kind of as a kid, too, not sure what to do, but long story short, I they had what was called Maranatha concerts on Saturday nights, and so it was all like the original contemporary Christian music. We had Amy Grant, Stephen, uh, Michael W. Smith, you know, when they started, I mean, it was all new contemporary Christian music, and um, I went forward during a Maranatha concert that my dad had taken me to, and... And, you know, after that, I just, I got baptized um, uh, at Corona Del Mar, um, where, at Pirate's Cove, where all the hippies were. And Greg Laurie, Mike McIntosh, uh, Raul Reese, Steve Mays, uh, uh, Skip Heidsick, they were all kind of the original, if you will, um, Calvary guys in their teens, some a little bit older, that Chuck discipled, along with Lonnie Frisbee. And so, you know, of course, they went out to be mega church pastors and etc. But so I was baptized by Pastor Chuck. I Saw Greg Laurie, and that was when Greg had. And now Greg and I can tease each other because um, you know he, he he you know some of the guys can get a little brutal with their teasing, but um, you know he he'd make a comment. He said, "Well, I remember you when you were young," and you know. Da 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 And I said, Well, I remember you when you had hair. Because you know, he, <laughs> he had the long blonde hair, you know, and they were all like little surfer, you know, kind dudes. of dudes. Yeah. Surfer <laughs> dudes. Or, you know, they all had been on drugs. And I mean, you know, they weren't the people that you would, I always think of the disciples, you know, that you would pick. Right. But God, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit just worked during that time. It was a beautiful time. And so that was how I got to know Greg, and interestingly enough, and I and I always have to say this too, I'm much younger. Um, <laughs> I was. He is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was much younger. But Greg would would go on to be um, not one of my first Christian clients, but he would be a client in the early days. Um, and when I say client, I had been working full time. Greg was actually the one that uh, kind of got me going into my own, uh, you know, as a consultant. Uh, so it's interesting, but that's how I met, uh, many of them. And I remember them all with the long hair and we always tease now because a lot of the Calvary pastors said that they, they, they all kind of have lost their hair, not all of them, but you know, some of them and they kind of start looking like Chuck, you know, Pastor Chuck, but, but Pastor Chuck, what a, what a sweet man. I, you know, he, it was almost like a grandfather to me, you know? Um, and so I kind of, I, I tell people I grew up at Calvary Chapel So I went there 27 years uh, before I moved out to the East Coast, Um, but it was a special time and God did such a tremendous work. And and I know he's going to do, he's going to do that again. And he is doing that again, but I think, you know, we're going to see a lot of similarities in what he did during the Jesus people.
1: Oh, that's encouraging words. And thank you for sharing that. Oh my goodness, Melinda, just, blessing, really a a blessing to have that kind of foundation in your faith. So, well, you know, Melinda, what's so cool, how God connected us and brought you to Altered Stories Ministry is you are so passionate about God's stories, just like me. And, you know, I think God just positions people in the right seats at the right time for his glory and his purpose. And you write God's stories. I do. And I, I love it. I, it, you know,
0: to me, it is, I call it grassroots evangelism. Um, like what you do audibly, I, I'm doing through their books, but all of it. Um, and we all have a, a call to evangelize. And you see someone like Greg Laurie, which is wonderful, and Billy Graham and Luis Palau, who now his sons, of course, all of it has a place. I think what's special about God stories, if you will, um, is that these are ordinary folk with extraordinary stories and really Christianity, you know, um, Jesus, what he did on the cross and, you know, the aspect of salvation and in his love for us, It all comes through the story that he has written in our lives and those stories have a lot of, you know, the Bible isn't sanitized. And, you know, being a Christian isn't sanitized. We, we have troubles. We have um, problems in life. Jesus said, you will have trouble. But God comes along, and it's amazing, though, how He redeems and how He transforms people. And that, to me, is, is the gospel. And so, when you see someone's story, I often, I often tell people, it's like, you know, for people that are unchurched or that, you know, have not heard the gospel or know the story, you know, they may argue theology or they don't want to go to church or they may argue those things. But, you know, I've often found that when someone, when we share our stories, you know, people don't argue against your story because it's your experience. It is your story. And I I have just found that oftentimes our individual stories of how God came in and how He redeemed and how He gave beauty for ashes, right? For all those difficult things that we go through, that says so much to people that don't know the Lord as well as to other Christians uh, that do know the Lord. I mean, it's just it's the most powerful thing to me in the sense of beyond just sharing the gospel. it's it's really the application of. This is the gospel. This is what God has done in my life.
1: Now we're going to be blessed, friends, to hear Melinda share her God's story. So, Melinda, where does your You Are My Hiding Place God's story begin? So walk us through.
0: Well, you know, as far as when, you know, how memory goes, right? Um, I remember certain things when I was. Very little, which is interesting. I remember my mom putting me in a kitchen sink when I was a baby. I remember being in the kitchen sink to take a bath, (laughs) and I and I remember being afraid. I was afraid I was going to go down the drain. Go figure. But I have that memory blasted inside my in my head. Isn't that strange? Um, But most of my memories, I would say, probably start when I was about four or five, especially five. And you know, my parents uh, are—they had. Very sweet, Um, you know, hardworking, very hardworking. My mom, um, we used to kind of say kind of a Jekyll and Hyde. She could be incredibly sweet, generous. She'd give you, she'd help people. You know, she never met a a stranger, right? Um, But like all of us, they had issues, right? We all have issues. And both of my parents um, had an issue with rage. And each other really pushed the buttons, you might say, you know, with each other. Um, we'd find out later in life, too, that my mom um, had had a mental illness and, and that actually do, had run in the family. Anxiety and fear and d- depression. I mean, a lot of different things. So but I grew up in a, a turbulent home. Um, we had good times. So I don't want anyone to think that that wasn't there when the good was when it was good. It was good. And when it was bad it was bad. And I have an older brother and sister. Um, My older brother is eight years older than me. My sister, nine years older than me. Um, I was the baby. And so, you know, around five is when my memories really kick in. And, you know, my parents would not just argue, but it would become physical, you know, screaming, rage, yelling, fists through the walls. Fist on each other, throwing furniture, throwing things, you know, each other. And, um, you know, my sister and brother at the time, so if I'm five, they're teens, right? So I'm kind of typical teens. So I'm saying this because I love them dearly. And later in life, we've all been very, you know, my sister and I've been very close. My brother's a little bit of an isolator, but, um, but, you know, got along. But their whole remedy was they'd go into their rooms, shut the doors, put their music on loud and escape well, here I am as five, and I would go knocking at their doors because I'm scared to death. I honestly thought they're going to kill each other. Um, And this is at five. And then, you know, you don't know, it's like, are we going to be hurt? You know, too, because when people go into rage, and that's what people understand, I think, is that you lose all control, your anger's out of control, your emotions are heightened. And so rage is, people can do things in rage that they probably would never consider uh that's why in our home you could have the good times right when the rage wasn't there seemed normal and and so i try to kind of let people know this because i think sometimes it's shooed away and it's like no you know it's um it's a very provocative in a and then we didn't have a christian home so but you know i have a sister and brother that god bless them you know at that time they feel bad now but (laughs) just tell me go to your room just go to your room you know so here I am, five years old. And usually I would, I'd started hiding under the bed, but then that kind of was just a spooky to me because it was dark and whatever. So I would hide under my covers. The interesting thing, and this is why I want people to see how God can work in someone's life. No religious training, no you know Christian training whatsoever. But I had a huge, like coffee table size, children's Bible. I have no idea where it came from. My parents don't even remember where it came from. They didn't even recognize I had one. I had one in my closet, and it was a beautiful one with pictures. Um, I would grab that Bible. Didn't know what it was, but I would grab it. I'd be under my covers with a little flashlight, and I always opened it to the page where there was a big picture of Jesus and the little children, and he had them on his lap, And he was smiling and holding a couple of them. And I would turn to that page and I'd put my hand on the page and pretend like I was one of those little kids. I liked this man. I knew his name was Jesus, but I had no idea (laughs) who who he was, right? What that meant. But I liked him because he liked little kids. You could tell by the picture. And he was calm and he was peaceful. And I would hide. And I would even say that I'd hide with that Bible and I'd fall asleep with my hand on that picture. I was the only way I made it. And I did that for a very long time. And so when my parents got divorced, interestingly enough, um, you know, I lived with my mom at that point, my sister and brother were out of the house. So it's just me and mom and things were pretty good for like a year or so. And this may sound strange, but it was I wouldn't say I was glad to be alone, but I was glad that there was peace. You know, my mom was a single mom, which scared her. You know, she got a job as a leasing agent at an apartment complex. And that's where we lived. Moved out of a big house, you know, when the divorce happened and lived there. Very different change. Brother and sister took off. Um, So it was me and mom. Um, But it was peaceful. She started to be more social. We'd go visit family, aunts and uncles and things like that. Then my mom started dating uh, a man at our apartment complex. He was the, uh, what do you call it? The repair man. And um, he was an alcoholic and she started dating him and he ended up living with us. And she would make, you know, she always told me to lie. She didn't want anybody to know, especially my dad who'd come and pick me up, you know, don't tell anybody. And don't tell anybody at school until that's your stepdad if they ask. But of course, with my dad, I couldn't say anything. Now, this man, I have to tell you, was a sweet guy. (laughs) I actually enjoyed him. He was not your typical drunk in the sense of when he got drunk, he quoted Shakespeare rather loudly, but he quoted Shakespeare. Um, He had done acting. He was from the Bronx, New York. He had done acting. He he says way off Broadway. it is a small, you know, I was still small, um, you know, eight, eight-ish and uh, nine-ish, but eight. And so my mom would go to pick him up at, at the bars at like two in the morning. Well, sometimes she took me and I'm like half asleep and she'll put me in the back of the car. And again, I start to feel fearful because you had all these people, you know, bars close at two in the morning and you'd have these adults, you know, m- mainly men outside. They're drunk. Or talking loud and I'd be in the back of the car hiding under a blanket I had ripped the picture of Jesus out of the Bible (laughs) so I could bring it with me and I would hold on to that so my mom came in you know with uh, with what I called my stepdad right Um, ended up what happened with my mom and dad started happening with my mom and stepdad and and again lovely man he really was uh, we would crack up. He made he made me laugh. You know, mom could be sweet, but boy, again, it was the button pushing, the rage, throwing a vacuum through the table, choking each other. I mean, all of these things often happened at Christmas. I was always depressed at Christmas, and um, you know, there were two major things that I felt fear always, always fear, and loneliness because it was just me, and they were kind of isolating, and I was a very extrovert. <laughs> person and they're very introverted later in life I had, I had friends say were you adopted because i was so different um you know eventually uh i stepped in, he went to aa um and you know became dry lived the rest of his life they ended up being together far longer than my mom and dad who were married 20 years um, yeah, the interesting part, we talked about the Jesus revolution, and this is something I want to get across to anyone that's listening too. So, you know, I got saved at nine. Now, I'm still living with my mom. It's still turbulent at home. My dad doesn't know, but I got saved during that time. My dad got saved. Eventually, my sister and brother got saved through the Jesus people uh, movement as well. I would go home and I, I do remember going home, probably within a couple of weeks after being saved, and I know this is going to sound maybe funny or odd, maybe. Again, I was probably only nine or 10, you know, when I got baptized, but I went home and I remember, and I thought I did it sweetly, but then again, you know, I'm talking to my mom and I just said, you know, what, what you, and so I don't want to share names, but what you and so, so, you know, that's a sin. <laughs> you can imagine that didn't go over well. So that kind of kicked in a whole thing of it was my mom and God against me because she, you know, God was on her side. and you know, it was that kind of you know how sometimes people say that? and um, so you know, my life continued at home to be turbulent. as I got older, you know, it got a it, their fighting got a little, I think as they got older, to be honest with you, it started to diminish more. um, but you know, my life, circumstances changed, but it kind of was more changing people, you know, and the sense of that turbulence, that violence, that fear, I still had that, But you know, I was a kid But I had, now I knew, I remember taking the picture of Jesus out, you know, that I had ripped from the Bible, I had my own Bible called the way for, for people that we because that's what they did, we'd hold our finger up one finger, and it's the way, you know, uh, so, that's what they called, you know, kind of the contemporary version, right? Um, so, I could understand. My dad had got me the way. Now, I knew who this Jesus was. And so, hiding place, before I knew it, he was my hiding place as that little five-year-old, as a nine-year-old, and throughout my life, he was my hiding place before I knew it. But I, I just wanted to share. So, Psalm thirty-two seven is, you are my hiding place you shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. And you know, as that little five-year-old, I mean, yes, it was traumatic, but you know what? He protected and he did give me peace. I didn't understand even who he was, but I liked him and he gave me peace. Then I knew who he was and he gave me peace. I didn't like the situation, but he gave me peace. And You know, the song, I don't know if anyone remembers, but back in the day, Maranatha Music, they did a song on that verse. And it's such a beautiful, it, it just says, you're my hiding place. You always fill my heart with songs of deliverance. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. Let the weak say I am strong in the strength of the Lord. That was me. I fear, fear was huge in my life. Uh, you know, and I'm sure I had, you know, it was trauma and you have, you know, I mean, just psychologically the PTSD and anxiety. I mean, all of that, you know, can be very real, but God works in that. And even if you don't know him, he can work and he can protect. And I often tell people uh, whether this, and this isn't a political statement at all. So people understand, but I am thankful that we did not have guns in the home. Um, because at least in our situation, right, the rage is is a is an uncontrollable, emotional. You could be fine one minute and all of a sudden you're, you know, you're in another land. And and all three of us kids always said that because not that they didn't have, you know, couldn't use, and they didn't. It was it was mainly objects and, you know, fists and whatever. But um, but you know, when you have something like that, at least in our home, okay, I'm talking about my experience, our home. It's easy, and there's it, you do you know you you just don't have control of yourself, and we've all three thought that over time. It's like so thankful that that wasn't because when you have both entities out of control, and we see this in domestic violence cases uh, all the time. You know, you it's it's just another thing that makes something easier in the height of an emotion. You know, even if they're not intending it, it it's just I know that may sound strange. I'm not excusing anything. But that is, and, you know, Satan comes in, he uses that, you know, and I look back at my parents and and just so you know, that everyone ended up getting saved in my family. Um, And, you know, I did have, you know, even again, I love the Lord and God did protect me. Um, He did amazing work in my life, you know, because when you have fear um, as an emotion, I mean, I look back now and I think of all the things I've done that... I never would have done out of, you know, with fear. Um, and God really did. It was a process, but he really did take it. But the other other issue I struggled with, and God blessed my mom, because I think it was geared towards more, more towards her. And we were so very different, you know, to begin with, but um, I had anger. And I got to tell you how God works with that too. As, as I aged and uh, my mom aged, my mom ended up having Alzheimer's. And we had to. Uh, my stepdad had had passed away, and and before he, you know, or before a few years before he had accepted the Lord. Interestingly enough, they always gave to later in life gave to Christian ministries. They'd watch Dr. D. James Kennedy and Charles Stanley on TV, and that was their way, you know. And I and I really believe, I mom, I I know that they were saved. You know, their walk might have looked different um, in the sense of not going to church and things, but they watched it. You know, that was kind of how they were. Um, but later, you know, my mom got Alzheimer's and I lived out here on the East coast with my sister. And so we had to, we had to get her out of her home. She couldn't, it was dangerous. She couldn't, you know, stay. And we had to bring her out here, uh, which was a, which was a good thing. And, you know, eight years we had our mom out here and she ended up being in an Alzheimer's uh, facility, which was phenomenal, best in the state, top 10 in the country that, that you know, specifically takes care of Alzheimer's. and God worked in me through my mom having Alzheimer's. and I'm telling you, Michelle, the I had a love hate. I'd loved my mom, and I always was worried if she, something happened to her, especially when it was just me and her but but at the same time, I had that you know the anger and and I don't know if I'd say hatred but anger, you know, but still it, it was you know both and um but God worked in me during her Alzheimer's, and I'm telling you, the scales came off. And I loved my mom, and I I sat there and I thought, all I could think of was just like you know they uh, when Stephen said they know not what they do, uh, you know when they're God forgive them they know not. Well, Jesus said God forgive them they know not what they do, and then Stephen you know said the same thing. They didn't. I, they did the best that they knew how, and. You know, it just was a reconciliation of realizing and to just the joy of knowing they're going to be in heaven. All that stuff swiped away. And, you know, I just loved on my mom with her Alzheimer's. And I used to laugh because they liked it when I came in. You know, I would visit a lot and, um, you know, I would come in and a lot of times she didn't. She, she One time she thought I was her sister. And the thing that cracked me up is I said, oh, okay. you know, go with it. Right. You always go with everything. And so she introduced me as her sister. She introduced me as her older sister, in which I was cracked up. So anyways, but we, you know, so long story short, she, it was a loving time. And, you know, to this day, I just thank God for how he used everything and put me in ministry and never say never, you know, God's with you from the moment you're born.
1: Well, those are beautiful words to wrap up, Melinda. And your authenticity is really so appreciated as you shared, you know, just the transformation and how God brought you through all of that turbulent and uh, traumatizing, you know, Um, and it's really um, profound to see the whole, how, how, God worked even in the hardest situation you know to heal you through that and to put such an effort out to love your mother the way only God could could do that so you really allowed the holy spirit to come in and guide you and lead you through that and what a testament to your siblings and to others and to your mom and you know it's so good to hear your your dad found Jesus it's so good is he still living he he passed away um, okay yeah about a few years
0: ago a few years he started ago. he got he started the ball and I always thought of that always thankful for that because the whole family ended up coming to know the Lord
1: yeah through that and look at you now and what you're doing and how God is using you so you know, I'd love to talk more. This has been such a blessing. But, you know, just in closing, I again I wanted to thank you for all you're doing to serve Altered Stories Ministry, what you're doing and serving God's people, his kingdom, and all the work that you do. Um, and you know, friends, we're gonna have our episode up with some pictures and links and things like that. But any any um Any last words? Like, how can we support you uh, in your work, Melinda? And then, you know, any any how can you be reached? And you know, anything you want to share before we wrap up? Well, I just want to encourage
0: anyone to really not be afraid to share their story. You know, there's no shame. There's no our God stories are a testimony to Jesus. So, if you need help with a God story uh, in terms of writing, if you need help with that, um, my website. Uh, and has a way to contact me is www.melinda m-e-l-i-n-d-a k-k-a-y ron r-o-n-n dot com and I'd be happy to help you with that and I'm honored Michelle that I'm on your board believe in what you're doing so listen to her and and, and, uh, and just you know what share your story and for those of you Let me tell you that I've had problems growing up. I think all of us have had something. Nothing is impossible with the Lord. Nothing. And He can have His hand on you when you don't
1: know it. And until the next show, friends, be heard and be healed. Altered Stories Ministry
0: is a faith based, nonprofit, and women's evangelistic storytelling ministry located in Overland Park, Kansas. If you enjoyed listening to today's story, your family and friends would probably benefit from hearing how God works in the lives of women all over the world,
1: too. So please subscribe to our show and share the link to this podcast. Share it on your social media. We also welcome your valued feedback on our
0: stories.